Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here's a bit of Washington trivia for you. Name federal legislation that Republican Governor Mike Huckabee, the Wall Street Journal editorial board, and President Barack Obama all seemed to agree on 10 years ago. Give up? The House of Representatives is debating and voting on the DREAM Act this evening. And the, the answer is immigration reform, at least for dreamers. DREAM stands for Development, Relief, and Education for Alien Minors. It would allow the children who entered the United States illegally before age 16 legal status to stay. Back in 2010, Congress was trying to pass a law that would allow these dreamers, kids whose parents brought them to the U.S. illegally, to stay in the U.S., join the military, go to school. But when this bill got to the Senate, the DREAM Act, it failed. After all the votes were counted, Democrats held this press conference. Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey, he got up in front of a lectern and quoted a Langston Hughes poem. The bottom line is, you know, what happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or does it explode? Uh, this dream is going to explode. Since then, the dream has exploded into a years-long political battle. First, President Obama decided to move ahead without Congress. He signed this executive order offering DREAMers deferred action on their immigration status, meaning the U.S. wouldn't try to remove these people from the country. The order became known as DACA. Then, when President Donald Trump took office, he pulled the plug on that executive order, leaving nearly 700,000 DREAMers wondering what would happen next. Now... The third branch of government has been dragged into this fight. The Supreme Court is hearing arguments about DACA today, which is why I called up Slate's Mark Joseph Stern. How much do we know about how the public feels about DACA, the Deferred Action Program? Uh, eight in ten Americans back DACA, according to a CNN poll. According to a different poll, nine in ten Americans want DACA beneficiaries to stay in the United States. And here we are still arguing about it. Right. Uh, so many years later, uh, these poor people have totally laid down roots. They are fully American in every way except their citizenship papers. And uh, they are still at risk of being uprooted from the only lives and homes they've ever known and sent back to a country that they, in many cases, don't even remember. Today on the show, Mark will explain the political battle over DACA and why, no matter how the Supreme Court rules... This battle is far from over. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service... 
everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. While President Trump's campaign for the White House clearly fanned the flames of anti-immigrant hate, when it came to the Dreamers, once he got into office, Trump couldn't seem to make up his mind. The Dreamers, everything's fine. But I want the children of the people from this country to also be Dreamers. We're going to show great heart. DACA is a very, very difficult subject for me because you have these incredible kids in many cases, not in all cases. In some of the cases, they're having DACA and they're gang members and they're drug dealers, too. We love the Dreamers. We love everybody. Thank you very much. But Trump had promised to repeal DACA. And Mark Joseph Stern says that was a promise some Republican supporters were determined to keep. And what happened was... Uh, A bunch of Republican attorneys general from states like Texas colluded with hardliners in the administration, uh, like Stephen Miller, the the White House advisor, and decided to create this pressure by sending the Trump administration a letter claiming that if the administration didn't wind down DACA, that these states would file a lawsuit to try to kill it in court. Uh, I don't know how involved Trump was, but his advisors definitely encouraged this move. And so that led to internal pressure in the White House. I think it sort of pushed Trump toward repealing DACA. And it led to this notorious meeting, which has been documented in a number of reports now, where basically Stephen Miller waited until Jared Kushner, who likes immigrants, was out of town, held this ambush meeting and told the acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security at the time, whose name was Elaine Duke, hey, Elaine, you're going to end DACA really soon. We're going to put all of it on you. We're going to claim that you feel a need to end DACA. And we're going to claim that we have to do it because DACA is illegal. And that's how Trump got to a place where he let his administration wind this down. There was this sort of artificial pressure. And then Stephen Miller led an ambush on the individual who was ostensibly the decision maker here, who, in fact, all reports indicate did not really want to end DACA at all. Well, how does that get to Jeff Sessions? Because was Jeff Sessions in that room, too? Yes, he was. Uh, and so the the plot that was hatched was that Jeff Sessions was going to write a letter laying out the reasons why he believed DACA was illegal and then send it to Elaine Duke, again, acting DHS secretary, and that Duke was going to sort of implement the letter and say, hey, Jeff Sessions is right. I totally agree. DACA has to die. How do we know all this? Uh, We know all of this from the excellent book by Julie Hirschfeld Davis and Michael D. Shear, Border Wars, Inside Trump's Assault on Immigration. And I strongly suspect that some individuals who are in that room talked to them because they were so unhappy with how things went down. It sounds like a mess. (laughs) A total mess. And this is actually the mess that grew into the Supreme Court case because the Supreme Court case is not about whether Trump has the power to end DACA in theory. Everyone agrees that he could. The question is whether he did it in a legal way or whether all of this was so messy as to actually violate the law. This messiness, it's become a hallmark of the Trump administration. 
the judiciary has come down against the president's rule changes again and again because they violate something called the Administrative Procedures Act. The APA is a law that prevents the executive branch from acting suddenly or without a legal basis, which is exactly what advocates say the Trump administration did when it decided to rescind DACA. And that just doesn't fly, at least under normal circumstances, when uh, the executive branch is making such a huge decision. You gotta give the people more than, hey, we think this is unconstitutional, we're not gonna explain why, but that's our analysis, so sorry, dreamers, you're screwed. Can we talk about who's arguing today and what they're gonna be saying? Let's start with the lawyers arguing against rescinding DACA. First of all, you have Ted Olson, who's been known as something of a conservative. He was solicitor general in the Bush administration, and he's arguing that this process is too much of a mess. Yes, um, that's correct. And I will add that Olson is someone I deeply respect. Uh, He is definitely a Republican. He's very much an establishment Republican. But he's also, I think, a sort of moderate on social issues. He famously argued against California's ban on same-sex marriage, for instance. Um, And now he is arguing in favor of dreamers. I don't think this red meat stuff really attracts him the way that some of uh, Republicans' economic policies have. You know, Ted Olson was out there arguing uh, for striking down all campaign finance laws. You know, he wants Republicans to be able to rake in the dark money. uh, But he doesn't want... 800,000 dreamers deported. And it's a very clever strategy uh, to bring in this guy who has a lot of respect among the conservative justices, who does usually go before the court to argue conservative causes, to come out here and say, hey, I'm Ted Olson. I'm a reasonable guy. You conservative justices were at my wedding. But I'm here to tell you that even if you don't like DACA, you gotta admit that the Trump administration screwed up this process, that it was way too sloppy that they have to do this right because the president isn't king. And again, even if you think DACA's bad policy, the worst policies have to be wound down in a lawful manner. And that's just not what the administration did here. Were the conservative justices literally at his wedding? Yes, they were. uh, Several of them were literally at his wedding um, because they all swim in the same circles. And, um, you know, it's a it's a celebration of joy and love, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Celebration of joy and love, whatever. I'm not I'm not feeling super sentimental right now. Um, you know, get back to me around Valentine's Day or something when I'm, when I'm binging on chocolate and maybe I'll maybe I'll have a, a sweeter take here. But you also have someone else who's going to be sitting at the table and I believe arguing a lawyer named Luis Cortez. Can you introduce us to him a little bit? Yes. So Cortez, and this is this is really extraordinary. He is a DACA beneficiary himself. Um, he's not going to argue, actually, um, but he will be at the table and he's going to sort of be there to, I think, remind the justices that DACA beneficiaries are among us. They are just like us. Um, they are lawyers and friends and family. And with DACA, they have been able to thrive. There are all these estimates that show that if DACA 
is ended, that the U.S. economy will lose billions upon billions of dollars because these individuals are so entrenched in the social and economic life of the nation. Um, and I think this reflects a little bit the strategy that gay rights activists used when bringing these cases to the court, where they had gay lawyers argue the case, they had them be in the courtroom to remind the justices that these people aren't the other, they aren't foreign, they are people you know, people you love, and have a little heart here. Please try to recognize that these individuals deserve some respect. So let's talk about Noel Francisco, the Solicitor General, and the argument he's going to make. What What is his defense of how this policy was implemented? So his argument here, and I think this is totally predictable, this is exactly what any Solicitor General would say in this situation, is, hey, the executive branch gets to repeal the policies of its predecessor. And Trump came into office and he didn't like the policy that Obama had implemented. And he gets really free reign. He gets a lot of leeway to say, I don't like this policy, so I'm killing it. That is the basic argument. Uh, it's not very complicated. I think he's going to tell the justices, look, you have no business scrutinizing the exact reasons why Trump did this. We all kind of know why Trump did this. It doesn't matter if it was explained in a one-page sheet or a, a thousand-page document. The upshot is the same. Trump didn't like this program, so he killed it. Hmm. What do you think the justices are going to make of that argument? Well, you know, it's going to divide along liberal and conservative lines, right? And, and I do think that Chief Justice Roberts is going to be in the middle, uh, and he's probably holds this case in his hands, as he does so many. I think the liberal justices are going to say, now, hold on, we have laws for a reason, and the Administrative Procedure Act is an important, if somewhat boringly named law. And it says that you don't get to make arbitrary and capricious decisions, even if you're the executive branch. And that is a pretty low bar. But it does often succeed in blocking these executive actions that are so sloppy, so poorly reasoned, so detached from the text of federal law that they simply cannot survive any level of judicial scrutiny. And so that is the law that tripped up uh, the census citizenship question, right? The Supreme Court wound up uh, deciding that this census citizenship question was justified on the basis of pretext that the administration had lied about it. Uh, and so now the, the DACA case revolves around the very same law. And who knows which way the chief justice will lean. I think he will favor the Trump administration in this case. I don't think this is quite as blatantly sloppy as as the census citizenship case. But, you know, Chief Justice Roberts is full of surprises, so you never know. As you watch the arguments today, what are you looking for from the justices that will tell you a little bit what they're thinking? So I, I'm very interested in the emotional resonance of this case among the justices. You know, we, we can get into the technical details of the law, what's arbitrary and capricious. But I am curious to hear if the conservative justices just sort of channel their inner Fox News hosts and rant about illegal immigration, which is what Jeff Sessions did when he announced repeal. Uh, or if you're going to see some real sympathy, even from justices like Kavanaugh and, and Gorsuch, who have tried to present themselves as kind people, uh, as somewhat empathetic people, even if they don't necessarily bring that to their judging. I I'm curious to hear if they're just going to go on and on about these aliens who have invaded the country 
or if they're going to have some respect for DACA beneficiaries and maybe even acknowledge in their questions the very difficult position these individuals are in. Uh, the liberal justices, especially Justice Sotomayor, who is excellent on all matters of immigration uh, and undocumented individuals, I think they're going to go really hard on the Trump administration's sloppiness here. I think they're going to, in some ways, try to be less emotional because they want to win over the chief justice, who is a little bit of a robot. And they're going to try to prove to him uh, through their questions that it doesn't matter if you love dreamers or hate them. The point here is that the law matters and the administration didn't follow the law. Here's something I'm struggling to figure out with this case. The administration is arguing against an executive action here. They're saying it was kind of capricious to implement DACA in the first place. But this administration is so into executive power and canceling DACA just looks like a different kind of capricious executive action. How do I square this? <laughs> it may be impossible to square um, because, you know, I would argue that something like the travel ban, which affected so many millions of people, which separated uh, in a profound way so many families, and yet the Trump administration infected it three times to try to find a legal version of it, uh, and yet the Trump administration says, oh, DACA, you know, uh, just enshrining this deferred action principle in, in an executive policy, that goes way way too far. You know, that's just beyond what the executive should be doing. There is a whole lot of hypocrisy there. And there's a lot of hypocrisy among Trump's defenders who call DACA executive overreach, but then defend all of the ridiculous policies that Trump has implemented to try to curb immigration uh, in this country. So I, I don't know it, that it can be squared because I think hypocrisy lies at the root of it. You know, Trump claims he doesn't like executive overreach when it comes to DACA, but in every other context, his administration has been defined by incessant overreach. Well, I'm glad you brought up the fact that the travel ban, they kept trying and kept trying because none of the lower courts here have actually said the government is required to maintain DACA. They've just been ruling that the administration was sloppy here. Mm -hmm. And to me, I look at that and I think no matter what happens at the Supreme Court, this administration can just keep going back and doing this over again and trying to do it better. And now we have a much stronger attorney general in Bill Barr. Yeah, that's right. Um, say what you will about Barr, but he's better at this job than Sessions, especially if you view the job as protecting Trump, which Barr does. Um, even if dreamers win this case, it's going to be a temporary victory, right? Because it means that the Trump administration is going to go back and start over and perhaps speed up the timeline. You know, the original policy for rescinding DACA was on a rolling basis. It was going to give people an opportunity to renew one last time. It was, wasn't going to take effect for several years. But if Trump loses at the Supreme Court, he's probably going to be really angry and he's probably going to lawyer up and entrust Bill Barr to do it right this time and maybe try to repeal DACA on a much quicker timeline. And that would mean, you know, three throwing DACA beneficiaries under the bus uh, in very short order. So there's no absolute victory for DACA beneficiaries in this case because everyone agrees that at the end of the day, Trump can do this. The only question is whether he's done it correctly. Mark Joseph Stern, thank you so much. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Mark Joseph Stern covers the Supreme Court for Slate. 
He's going to be at SCOTUS today to hear this case. You can catch his coverage over at Slate.com. While you're there, make sure you read Jeremy Stahl's interview with a migrant who missed out on DACA. She's now been separated from her American daughter for nine years. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, Mara Silvers, and Danielle Hewitt. I'm Mary Harris. You can catch me during the day on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.